Welcome, I'm Sirius Afshar, and this is the Wigo's Informal Economy Podcast, Social Protection. Wigo stands for Women in Informal Employment, Globalizing and Organizing. Wigo is a global network focused on securing livelihoods for the working poor, especially women, in the informal economy. In this monthly podcast, we will discuss some of the most pressing issues related to social protection from the perspective of informal workers, including debates around the future of work, demographic changes in the informal economy, as well as social services like childcare and health that can protect informal workers' incomes. March is the month when the International Women's Day is celebrated across the world, and it is also when the United Nations Commission on the Status of Women, CSW, holds its annual session in New York. And this year, the chosen priority theme is social protection systems, access to public services and sustainable infrastructure for gender equality and the empowerment of women and girls. To help us understand more about this topic and to talk about the linkages between social protection public services and urban infrastructure in relation to protecting the livelihoods of women and informal workers, we invite Laura Alfers. Laura is the Wigo's Social Protection Program Director. She holds a PhD at the School of Build Environment and Development Studies at the University of KwaZulu-Natal in Durban, South Africa. She is currently a postdoctoral research fellow at the Institute for Social and Economic Research at Rhodes University, also in South Africa. Laura, let's jump right into it. So the priority theme for this year's CSW is a, is a mouthful. Social protection systems, access to public services and sustainable infrastructure for gender equality and the empowerment of women and girls. Why this is an important topic? Well, I think it's important because it's emphasizing the interlinkages between social protection and other elements of the social policy system. And I think that that is something that has been neglected, um, at least in international development circles when it comes to social protection. I think social protection tends to be dominated by a focus on cash grants and social safety nets. And these are often seen as sort of magic bullet solutions to poverty that aren't necessarily connected um, to other elements of social policy, in particular social services, uh, public services, and urban infrastructure. And so I think this is a really important opportunity uh, to emphasize these interlinkages. There has been some work, um, particularly around the sort of idea of cash transfers plus, uh, which has looked at the intersections of cash transfers and social services. And there was, you know, there's been work coming out of Latin America in particular showing that while cash transfers can, can improve access to social services, uh, such as health and education, they don't necessarily improve education and health outcomes. Um, so more people might be using a health service or more people might be going to school, but they're not necessarily better educated or more healthy because the services aren't of a sufficient enough quality, of a good enough quality. And I think that's a really important point. What are we trying to do with these cash grants? You know, are we just trying to get people pushed into low quality uh, social services or are we actually trying to improve, improve outcomes? Um, and I think that this why this focus on the intersections is, is so important. Why this is an important topic for women informal workers specifically and how can social protection play a role there? 
Well, in, in Wego's experience, I mean, I think this is true in general. Women's disadvantages are intersectional and they multiple and they reinforce each other. And I think that there are three main uh, sources of disadvantage that we see amongst women and formal workers, particularly in urban areas. They're women face disadvantages because they are women and because of social norms around what women do. So, for example, women take on a disproportionate amount of care work in households and so on. And this impacts the amount of time they can spend on income earning activities and, and puts them at a disadvantage uh, in the labor market immediately. Um, also leads to drudgery and a lack of leisure time and time for themselves. I think that women are very often, these women are also members of poor urban communities, uh, living and working in areas that are underserved by urban services, such as public transport, adequate water and sanitation, adequate lighting, and so on. And thirdly, they face disadvantage, um, you know, where they are positioned within the labor market. So women in the informal economy tend to be concentrated in the forms of employment that are more insecure and that have a higher chance of lower returns. And obviously this is linked to some of their care work responsibilities and so on. The, the three sort of intersect and come together to, to reinforce women's disadvantage. And I think this is where the intersections of social protection, social services and urban infrastructure can be so important because the three of them together can really help to deal with some of those uh, disadvantages that women face. For example, social protection in the labor market, uh, maternity benefits, for example, uh, would mean that women wouldn't lose income uh, or lose their jobs because they took time off work to give birth to children. So there we see social protection is important. Social services are hugely important for women because they help to relieve some of the care burden. Childcare services, for example, efficient health services where they're having to take older members or younger members of their family to get care. Those two things can really help to protect women's incomes. And then improved urban infrastructure is also really important. Women working in areas where there's no water and sanitation and living in those areas, it's their time that's going into collecting water. It's their inability to work if they're working from home. Uh, that occurs when there's no electricity and they're having to time their working hours um, around times when there is light and so on and so forth. Um, so because women's disadvantages are multiple, I think we cannot just think of one solution. Uh, it cannot just be social protection. That is the answer here. It's got to be social protection and. And I think, again, that's why um, the intersections are so important. Urban infrastructure and gender don't seem to me a a very common relation to see around. Can you give concrete examples on how does that play out? I mean, I'm not sure that gender and infrastructure isn't a common isn't a common thing. I think that there has been very strong feminist work done on the on the intersections of gender and and urban infrastructure around uh, time use surveys, for example, um, showing how much time women have to spend collecting water and uh, dealing, you know, when they don't have access access to services. I think the the really interesting connection here is between social protection and urban infrastructure. I think that isn't a connection uh, that's made often, and it isn't made enough. But in in our experiences of working with informal workers, it's it's one of the key connections because. So much of the risk 
to income security that informal workers face derives from punitive and supportive urban regulations um, and and inadequate urban, urban services. And that is a complete contradiction to what social protection policies are trying to do. Social protection programs are trying to create income security and to stabilize incomes. Whereas what's happening at the urban level, at the local level, is that those incomes are being undermined. So for an example, I was reading about street trader evictions that are taking place in Zimbabwe. The local government has gone on a what's called a beautification campaign and street traders are being moved out of their places of work, evicted from their places of work. This is at the same time as the Zimbabwean government is trying to launch and promote its social security scheme, which is intended to cover informal workers as well. Uh, so, so do you see the contradiction there? We have a social security scheme that's trying to provide informal workers with security, and then we have municipal governments undermining that, that income security all the time. And, and for women workers specifically, I mean, I think an excellent example is in, uh, from Durban in South Africa, where we have some discussion around the idea of providing self-employed informal workers with a maternity benefit. What was interesting from the focus group discussions around this was that the, the women traders said, well, it's fine. We could, you know, some kind of benefit from the national government would be, would be great. But actually, that needs to be in conjunction with some kind of work with the municipality, which stops them from giving our trading spaces once we leave to go on maternity leave. Those, our trading spaces are reallocated immediately to other people so that when we come back, uh, we have no business to come back to. We have to search and find for new places to sell from. So the income security that's being established by this maternity benefit is immediately afterwards being undermined because of loss of business and loss of trading space. So I think that contradiction is really important. And it's not often seen because we're talking about two different levels of government. Social protection, cash grants, whatever we're talking about, uh, are usually administered by national-level governments. But where the real risks are coming from to many of the informal workers in urban areas, and I'm, I'm thinking particularly of, of the informal workers who work either out of urban public space or in, in their own homes, they are being impacted most significantly and most directly by the way that cities are managed. And it's those, the way cities are managed are creating risks that social protection policies are then being brought into address. So, so the argument is, is that if you, you know, if you're wanting to create income security for informal workers, you're actually having to work across the national and local state. Can you give examples of policies and practices that have managed to tackle the delivery of adequate urban infrastructure for women informal workers? Um, there are some interesting examples of, of what informal workers are doing to, to try and work across the state. So, for example, we have market traders in Accra and Ghana, for example, trying to engage municipalities around the provision of ensuring that a space for childcare centers is incorporated into every plan um, that the municipality is creating for, for market spaces. And again, when we think about advocating for childcare, we generally think about doing this at the national level, right? Because that's probably where you're going to get the funding for childcare workers and so on. We don't think about, well, what do we have to do at the local level to ensure that there's space um, for these childcare centers? And so I think 
potentially interesting is to see how how the traders in Ghana now work across municipality and national national government to um, advocate for childcare centres in the markets because it's going to have to be something that is both national government and and municipal government. Uh, and in South Africa as well, traders are similarly making arguments to municipalities about allowing space for childcare centres. Uh, but at the same time, um, thinking about a campaign that tries to ensure that, that there is childcare in informal, informal workplaces that will be targeted at national government, where control of, of things like childcare would, would naturally sit. Um, I think in, in India as well, there's been a very good example from the Self-Employed Women's Association, an attempt to work across the state through their, their Shakti Kendras, which are workers' empowerment centers, and kind of conceptualized as hubs. And workers can go there and they will receive help with accessing their social protection benefits. Uh, for example, you know, rations or their sort of health insurance entitlements. Uh, at the same time, the Shakti Kendras are working to try and ensure that urban services better reach uh, informal workers. So the health centres, for example, uh, working with urban health centres to ensure that while workers get their health insurance benefits, the services they actually get are worth um, having the health insurance benefit in the first place. Um, and then thirdly, also looking at water and sanitation because, you know, workers get sick if there's no water and sanitation. So all of the, all of the work you're doing with health insurance and with um, health service provision is undermined if workers are always ill because they're living in conditions um, which are incredibly unhealthy. Um, and that, that is what creates income security for these workers because it's, you know, it's not just the health insurance benefit which provides protection. It's the good service and it's the fact that they are not getting sick all the time um, from living and working in poor conditions. And so I think, you know, informal worker organizations have for a long time argued that the shape of the state doesn't necessarily make sense from their perspective. You know, we want a maternity benefit, but the maternity benefit has to incorporate both a cash benefit and an um, adjustment to the regulations, the municipal regulations. Uh, to ensure that our trading spaces aren't given away while we're while we're on on maternity leave, and so it's it's their actions at the grassroots, which I hope uh, will be some catalyst for for forcing the state itself uh, to become more integrated in its approach to providing income security. So the CSW starts in a few days, and you're going to attend it. Is that correct? Yes, we are. We uh, have a panel on the the thirteenth. Um, in the UN buildings in CR11 uh, between 3 and 4.15. So what are your general expectations about the event uh, and what WIGO and informal workers organizations are planning to bring uh, to the debate there? Well, I mean, I think that, that what we're planning to bring to the debate is exactly, is exactly what I've just spoken about, um, is trying, trying to highlight uh, this contradiction that we're seeing between what's happening at the urban level and the local government level and the aims and goals of social protection policies. Um, and I think, you know, it's very, it's, it's not an easy intersection to talk about. If you walk into a room full of social security and social protection specialists, 
I mean, they look at you funny if you start bringing up things about urban environments and so on. And I think similarly, when you go into a room full of urban people, they're also not quite sure why you're talking about social protection. It, it just doesn't really seem relevant to their concerns. So, you know, and, and I think that's always the difficulty of trying to, to cross boundaries is that you have highly specialized people working in highly specialized fields. And I really see this, this panel as an opportunity to, to speak to audiences that are, that are interested in both areas and where we can start actually talking seriously about these intersections and, and how to promote better coherence across the state and across different levels of the state. Thank you very much, Laura. I hope you have an interesting time at the CSW. Thanks, Cyrus. So, if you have registered to attend the CSW this month in New York and were interested about the issues discussed in this conversation, you are invited to attend the side event Social Protection, Public Services and Sustainable Infrastructure Policy Coherence for the Empowerment of Women in Informal Employment. Laura will be one of the speakers in the session representing WIGO and she will be joined by uh, directors from several UN agencies such as UN Women, UNOPS, UNDP and also by a representative from SEWA, uh, the Self-Employed Women's Association from India, and the Minister for Gender, Children and Social Protection from Ghana. So the debate will take place on March 13th, Wednesday, at 3 p.m. at the conference room number 11 in the UN General Assembly building. And if you want to learn more about social protection, please visit us at www.wigo.org where you can find all of Wigo's policy briefs, working papers, documents, advocacy publications and more. I'm Sirius Afshar and this was the Informal Economy Podcast, Social Protection. See you next month.